Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a Saturday Buckeye Talk post spring game. Douglas Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We are back in our homes after spending the morning and afternoon at Ohio Stadium, where we watched offense versus defense in this version of the spring, uh, spring game, about two hours. Some nice tributes to Dwayne Haskins, some decently interesting football. We're going to talk about the offense and the defense first, the football part of it. Then at the end, guys, I, I want to run through, you know, what we thought of the, the other parts of the game off the field, the Dwayne Haskins tribute, what else maybe we'd like to see at future spring games, um, stuff like that. But first, we must begin with the most important part of this Saturday podcast, and that is the results of the vote on the spring game draft team Baird versus team means we sent this out to our tech subscribers. They voted. I sent it out about 11 o'clock on Saturday morning before the game. The final results are 58% to 42% who drafted the better team. You guys want to try to guess who won the kid. I, I feel like, if, if people listened, if people listened, I went either way because Steven admitted before he even made his first pick that he had he had to like try to get in my mind and draft the way I would. So either way, either I won or I won. No, so you won as yourself. You won or you lost. You won as the veteran influence on young, young Steven means the kid did win. 58% to team means. So we didn't, it was hard to get like a real score to the actual spring game. We think it was like 34, 26, the offense Disappointing. beat the defense, but a fairly convincing win for team means. So um, 50, what well, 16% win. That's pretty good. We hope you guys enjoyed that spring. No, you wanted disappointing. You, you wanted to win by more. Are we now in the post-game news conference for Coach Means after his win over Team Baird? Yeah, it wasn't enough. I don't think there was enough toughness on the defensive side of the ball. I feel like it was one of those wins where, as a coaching staff, we come in and we're happy with it, but the fan base is not. It's not good enough because it's not good enough to win a national championship. So you, you know we got to do better next year. Those Team Means fans, 
very high standard. They really yeah. get after it. They expect a lot. All right, let's talk about, first of all, Nathan, um, we're going to talk about the offense. I know, Stephen, you wrote about the offense, and Nathan wrote about the defense and focused on that after the game. But I did think there was kind of like an offensive player who kind of won the game. I don't know if we all agree on that. Nathan and Steven, do you, would you say, who do you think like won the game from the offensive point of view? Definitely Evan Pryor. And partially because it was just set up for him to be able to do that. But also we didn't get to see a lot of him last year. So to get some extended Evan Pryor and see him actually do something with it, makes it intriguing heading into the fall where you know Travion Henderson's your number one. We think Mayan Williams is your number two, but now if somebody wants to go into the summer making a case that Evan Pryor could push him for that, we can believe it because he flashed. And it was a lot of against – it wasn't like he was going against scrubs all day. He did it against the ones at times. Yeah, I think if Evan Pryor had come out of today looking ordinary, uh, it wouldn't have, like – lowered expectations for the fall but i think seeing that he might not just be ordinary that he might be something different gives this offense a little bit of a different dynamic for the fall i wonder if he had looked average today if we would be wondering if he was going to think about going in the portal because he's in the same class with trevion henderson They've got Dallin Hayden coming in in this class. Dallin Hayden's not here yet, but he's the running back in this freshman class. They just got a commitment from a running back in the next class, and it feels like, right, they're probably going to take two in that class, and the other one might be Richard Young, who's a five-star. So it's only year two. It's the beginning of year two for Evan Pryor. And from everything we've heard, they brought in two top 100 running backs in the same class, and Trevor Henderson was ahead. So the Trevor Henderson was the guy last year and Evan Pryor sort of had to get used to things here. Isn't a shock, but Evan Pryor should be a good enough player that he does show something on a, on a day like this. So I do think sometimes we make note of things when we're surprised by it, but I think Evan Pryor probably Steven is on the path. We like to talk about paths a lot. We like to ask about paths a lot. Are things going as you expected? I think Evan Pryor, this is probably going as expected, but going as expected is never a guarantee. So let's give a guy credit for coming out in Ohio Stadium and showing out and looking like a guy who's going to fight to be the number two running back in the fall. He's developing on schedule. The only wrench is you can only control what you can control. And Mayan Williams is better than everybody expected him to be. Had let's just say Mayan Williams had been exactly what a guy in the 300, 400 was supposed to be. And Master Teague was just your number two last year because he was healthy. And now Master Teague's gone. And Evan Pryor developing the way he should be is just your number two. And it's un, it's not even a conversation right now. We'd have been walking into this like, okay, cool. Travion's awesome. They've got another home run hitter and Evan Pryor to spell him. And everything's all good. Instead, now it's a conversation of is the guy who's outplaying his ranking a little bit, you know, going to block Evan Pryor from getting that from taking that next step from a role standpoint, even if his development is on track. You've so, got to start to show what your niche is or what your what you bring that somebody else doesn't. And the thing that Evan Pryor did today that Mayan Williams doesn't really do, or maybe just didn't get the opportunity to do, is what he can do as a receiver out of the backfield. But Steven and I talked earlier this week, uh or, or last week whenever it was on the recruiting pod that we did 
specifically talking about the running back, like the, the right now it's important. I think that Evan Pryor makes a move for himself and for Ohio state, but partially with a look to next spring, next spring is going to be quite a battle Royale behind Trevor, Trevion Henderson in that running back room for all the reasons you just mentioned, Doug, mine Williams could still be here. Evan Pryor could still be here. Richard young is coming in. Dallin Hayden is here. Like where are all those snaps coming from for four guys who probably all think they should have a piece of the offense at that point? I think Evan Pryor is a little bit in a Kyle McCord spot to some degree, right? That there's a really good guy right there. You kind of maybe you're waiting for that guy to go to the NFL and you want to position yourself to have a really good chance to be the guy after that guy. He's not going to beat out Trevor Henderson, but something Trevor Henderson could get abducted by aliens. But the fight to be next after Travion Henderson, as you're saying, Nathan, is going yeah. to be ferocious. I think he's almost in the common accord. That what we thought was going to be the McCord scenario when Quinn Ewers was still going to be here because that's Richard Young. If Richard Young ends up coming to Ohio state, which isn't mm. he hasn't committed to Ohio state, but you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like that you've get, the, what, what, what come McCord no longer has to worry about is the savant waiting to potentially overtake you, no matter how good you are. That might be the position Evan Pryor's in. If Richard Young commits to Ohio state. It's, it's coming from behind. The young guy's coming up right. behind you. Uh, Mayan Williams on Saturday, according to the Ohio State stats, 15 carries for 101 yards. Evan Pryor, 62 carries. Excuse me, nine carries for 62 yards. So 6.9 yard average for Pryor, 6.7 yard average for Mayan Williams. Basically the same. I'm curious. I, I thought it looked to me like Evan Pryor just has a little more explosion, a scoot. little more dynamic, a little more juice, yeah. a little more scoot than Mayan Williams. I thought the touchdown run that Evan Pryor had were, was it the touchdown run? Or was Evan Pryor had the one where he got around the edge, right? He it's got around the right. corner on people. Yeah. And I thought, I don't know if Evan, if Mayan yeah. Williams gets that edge. And Evan yeah. Pryor did. He kind of, he kind of shrugged John Cage off of him first. That was like the first level. He was getting through the line of scrimmage. And then he's got a little bit of kick that that Taraja Mitchell can't get over there in time. And by then, now he has the edge and he's gone. Like, yeah, that it was a, it was a good example, I think, of what he has as far as like afterburners. What if Travion Henderson is going to decide who the second running back is? You know what Eating. I mean by that? No. Like, Travion got tired and like his physicality wasn't always there late in the season. And it made Mayan Williams that much more valuable as a running back because he is a little bit more physical. Um, If that's still, I'm not saying that's still going to be the case this season, but if like, that's what Travion doesn't give you and Mayan is the only one of those three who does, and it makes Mayan as your secondary back more valuable. I just, I, I just disagree with that line of thinking. I don't know like why your second back has to be any different style than your first back. I like, I just don't, I just don't think their path to the national championship is, Oh, it's third and two in the middle of the fourth quarter. Trayvon Henderson's tired. Give it to Mayan Williams. I just, no, I'm saying somebody has to be able to do that for you, but it's Trayvon Henderson. And why can't it be Evan Pryor? I guess, because my point is you, you have to have a second running back who can play Mm -hmm. and that when he's in, you don't have a gigantic drop off. If he's exactly the same as Trevion Henderson, great. I don't think I just think you need him to be as good as he can possibly be because he's going to get potentially 
eight to 12 carries a game because you can't hand it to Travion Henderson 30 times a game all year. And they do want to establish the run. So I think Pryor is like more similar to Travion than Mayan is. Mayan is different, but I'm not, I don't, I don't necessarily think that different is a factor because I just think they want the best guy on the field that they can possibly have. And I don't, it's not a wrinkle role. It's a backup role. You're the, you're the number two running back. Who's going to play in the fourth series. And maybe if Trayvon's getting the ball a lot in a long, in a long drive, you come in for a couple plays. I don't know. I like, yes, I agree with the idea that Mayan probably is the most physical back, but I don't know if that makes him better necessarily. Yeah. I I don't, you know, the the number one, what would be, what would be Ohio state's number one option? Their number one option would be that Trevon Henderson never gets tired, that he was like some kind of alien that never got tired. Well, that's not going to happen. So their number two option would be to have two Trevon Hendersons. That's also not going to happen. So the third best thing is just to find another running back who's really great, whoever that is, that is getting your next most amount of snaps. And I think that's the race that's on. And I think today, I think my we also need to make sure we don't talk about Mayan Williams like he was just plodding around out there. I thought Mayan Williams looked fine again today too. But I think today, if, it had, if notice had if notice hadn't already been served to him that there's a challenge there, then because, because we have been seeing throughout the spring, anytime we've seen them, it's been a pretty even, like it, it seemed like one, a one B almost between Henderson and Williams, Williams, not in terms of how many carries they were eventually going to get in the season, but they were the number ones and Evan Pryor was a clear two. And I think that gap is closed. There, when I can't remember what time of year we do the drive in the bus pod. But when we did it last year, there were people who wanted to drive it for Master Teague and who wanted to drive it for Mayan Williams. And I have kind of just always thought, listen, they're not, they're good running backs. I just don't know that either of them has the special quality that is typically required of an Ohio State running back. And I just think in a little sample size of Evan Pryor on Saturday, he seemed to have more of the special quality. And you're trying to win a national championship and there might be a critical drive where that second back is going to be in. And I just think he has more of that. It doesn't mean Mayan Williams couldn't do it or is incapable, but I do think sometimes there are some fans who can fall in love with tough, physical, hard-nosed players. And it's like, that's great. That is not the deal. Welcome to the big city of trying to win a national championship. You want to have a baseline of tough, physical, hard nose that applies to everybody, but you better have some pixie dust sprinkled on you. If you have the ball in your hands at Ohio state, or it's probably not good enough. It's going to be interesting to see in fall camp when they've got at least four healthy scholarship running backs, what that rep distribution looks like. If we get to get a chance to go to practice, because part of, I would assume that part of why they had the one A one B with the first ones is because you only had three healthy scholarship running backs, and you to the point of you don't want to kill Trayvon Henderson during the season. Well, you also don't want to do it in spring, yep. so it's just kind of easy to do that. I am interested to see who's with what quarterback. Not, I'm not. I don't really care about what Trayvon because he's a number. He's a starting running back. I am interested to see what the, the the distribution looks like with Evan Pryor and Mayan Williams with what quarterback they're working with. Yeah, listen, it's fun to have uh, to be the bowling ball and to have fun names like Porkchop. You know what else is a fun name? Touchdown Eddie. 
as Eddie George was talking about the other day. Like, you just go out and you're the best running back on the field. Like, I, Ohio State needs – and whatever. I don't know what Trevor Henderson's nickname is right now. He doesn't really need one because he's just great. So, like, that's what I – that that's what decides a national championship. It's baby Saquon, and it's mm. little fellow. Okay. Well, I was saying, Saquon hasn't been great in the NFL. I don't know if anybody wants to be no. Saquon. Baby, baby college but, uh, Saquon. But Trevor Henderson hasn't quite been Saquon yet at the college level either. So that's no, something to aspire no, to. That's and, true. And the Giants stink. They do. They do. Um, okay. So also, by the way, Trevor Henderson, three carries for 12 yards on Saturday. Just very limited. That's not what it was about. It was about letting mine Williams and Evan Pryor get up there and see what they could do. All right. What else, Nathan, what else do you want to talk about on the offensive side of the ball? I think, you know, we got to look at the starting offensive line. Um, obviously the depth of this, of the second and third team offensive lines was decimated even more than we realized yep. with some of the names that weren't out there. We can run through that a little bit. Uh, Julian Fleming did not play among the receivers, which Ryan day said was sort of a game day decision. He'd been day to day lately and they just decided to hold him out, which means we got Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison jr. And Emeka Buka and Jaden Ballard and guys like that. Where else do we want to go on offense? Probably should talk about tight end a little bit since that mm. was such a topic all spring. The leading receiver today for the offense, I keep forgetting the Scarlet, I guess. Let's we'll call him offense defense. I think it's easier. Uh, G. Scott, five receptions. And Joe Royer had a big touchdown catch. Now, those are nice things to see. I'd like to, I'm going to go back and watch the game again, obviously, because I don't know how much those things matter. I think it matters how well the tight ends blocked. And but it's it's good to see flashes from those guys. And it's they've got to have something to come out of this spring to build on going into the fall because uh, Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson won't shut up about how important they are. And on top of that, like there were a lot of series in this game where Kyle McCord was the guy that was in there with the twos. Maybe maybe this is a product of Fleming not being available, but they were running a lot of 12 personnel stuff with those twos. And I don't know if that's a lack of trust much beyond that with the right receiver room be going down to a third guy at that point or if it was just how many reps they wanted to get the second and third tight end right now joe royer caught a touchdown and looked pretty good making that play yeah Yeah. against a freshman db yeah i do think it's a combination of wanting to get reps with it but they really only did it with the twos they didn't really do it with the ones but then also um jackson played one series and it was literally just to get the 29 yard touchdown and say he played i think they're still trying to build you know chemistry and reps with cj and Emeka marvin and um Jaden ballard and like the, the receivers not named jackson smith the jigba mm-hmm. and this was a good opportunity to do that which is why it was kind of iffy that julian fleming wasn't out there even if it was because he was a little bit banged up but this was just which is probably why cj played a lot more than maybe we've maybe anticipated him playing um but then also it Seems like Keon Grays and Caleb Burton are really, really talented, but they're still learning the offense. And you can't put guys out there with the ones and twos when they're still learning the offense. So you just wait till you got Devin Brown out there and let them loose. Most targets in the game today, G. Scott had six. Emeka Egbuka had six. Jaden Ballard had six. Marvin Harrison Jr. had five. Caleb Burton had five. Uh, Evan Pryor had four. A couple of guys had four. So, I, I didn't we didn't learn a ton about receiver. I did think it's, you know, CJ Stroud. It's 
you try to combine what you hear and what you see, the fact that C.J. Stroud had shouted out Joe Royer as a guy who he thought looked good this spring, and then Joe Royer goes up and catches a touchdown, is like, okay, well, that's here plus C, and maybe it's telling us something, right? And then again, like Nathan, yeah. Ryan Day was seemingly pretty happy with the state of the tight end room yeah. after the game. I'm trying to get the exact quote he said because it wasn't like he said, I think tight ends will be a strength for this fall, but he said something like, if this keeps going, they can be a strength for the fall. Mm. And I think that's, I think, I'm trying to find the exact quote, but I think that's an, an important distinction, but I also think it's not like he was tearing the room down. I think he's saying that, you know, honestly, I mean, they came into the spring with a, their best tight end playing linebacker, and then having to count on a converted receiver who's only one year into it or a guy who's barely played at all. And that's going to be your tight end position this year. I think they feel like they came out of the spring probably with a decent uh, floor, something, a, a good foundation. But it, I, it, as optimistic as he sounded, I think there's still got to obviously be some work that goes in for over the next four months for that to be a, a Big Ten tight end room. It sounds like Joe Royer came on near the end mm-hmm. of the spring honestly and because that's not the way they were talking after three practices no but like from the moment true. like we got cj stroud and even the way cj says like like he was shaking his head and kind of like impressed with what joe roy is doing it seems like they got the practice seven eight nine ten eleven and joe roy started flashing and they felt better he said those guys are developing and putting in the work and we're hoping that's a position of strength for us moving into august Okay. Which actually might be even less optimistic than what I was saying, but it's, 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 yeah, I, I think Steven hits on a good point that we talk so much about, like, we're trying to read into things these guys say, and they are talking about tight end in at least a slightly different way than they were a few weeks in when it was kind of like, but that was also because no caged over in that room at the beginning. Starting offensive line, I think as expected, I know Steven, you sort of made note of the fact that there were a couple plays where it felt like Jack Sawyer Got around Paris Johnson Jr., Jack Sawyer. I think he dropped the spin move on him at some point. You know, Jack Sawyer's Jack Sawyer. But this was sort of our first chance to see Paris Johnson Jr. at left tackle after um, two years of him being a you know, backup tackle as a freshman and then starting guard as a sophomore. What, what did you think of Paris? I thought he was decent. Um, I'll chalk it up to Jack Sawyer is really good. Um, JT is pretty really, really good. Um, because that little when I went to the student appreciation practice, it looked similar to that where there were moments where it was like, all right, everybody's safe, Paris and Dewan are doing their job, but then it was moments when it was like when they got beat, it was bad, it was like noticeable, mm. it wasn't something that they could recover from. And that's the thing about today was Jack, when he would beat Paris, it was noticeable to everybody who was in the arena and the stadium, like it wasn't like you know. Jack put a couple of moves on. It's like, no, he made one good move and he was out of there, which is, I, I don't know. And right now, and maybe that's a question we ask day when we get him to really wrap up the spring is like, how much stock do you put in situations like that? Are you more optimistic because the defensive line looks like it might have some production or do you take that and say, mm, we might be a little bit worried about our tackles. And, but the way they've talked recently, it sounds like they're more chalking it up to the defensive line is playing better than being worried about Paris Johnson. So I'll believe that because he is still the five-star and there's still the expectation there. It's just, it wasn't the tackle debut that maybe came with the hype. Well, it's also one of those things, you know, you play 70 snaps and the tackle, yeah. win, the tackle <laughs> wins 62 
and the end wins eight. Yeah. But the eight are loud. And then it's like, oh, yeah, okay, you won 62 of the 70. But let's talk about the eight that you didn't win. Tackle. Yeah. What's wrong? So we understand that that's part of the deal, too. And and again, when you're not they were tackling, but it wasn't, you know, all the way there. Um I don't, I don't think Ryan Day would say that like they have worries about the tackles. I think they have really good tackles and really mm-hmm. good defensive ends. And I imagine practice is pretty fun. And um, to be fair, outside of that offensive line, it's, the starters were solid. Yeah. yeah. Did we learn anything about the backups? So like the, again, it was just Nathan, Nathan, can we just throw out real quick again? Who, who were all the guys Ohio state announced they gave like a, like an injury report for the spring game. Ohio State released um, before the spring game, like who's not going to play. I think you even texted it out for the tech subscribers. It was a good day to be a tech subscriber. 614-350-3315. We're going to start this bracket coming up soon of the greatest games of the century for Ohio State football. So uh, I'm going to get that together and that'll be coming down the pike. And then we're going to have some other stuff too. So like when we're not at practices, on a regular basis and, uh, and having interviews on a regular basis, the text does, it does change a little bit. It's a little more, what are we thinking about? What are we working on? Are we, what are we looking at holistically with the team? We try to have some fun, but I think there's still value in that. If you'd like to try a text subscriber now, but you were texting out news, like, like crazy. You guys both were on Saturday. Yeah. And, and also for the off season, like anytime a guy goes in the portal, anytime there's a recruiting development, like that stuff comes through the text too. So the news doesn't stop in the off season, but as far as the defensive line, Tyler Friday was the only guy missing from the defensive line. Did you want me to run down the whole list? Yeah, Just run through who didn't play. So people, okay. so people uh, Cam Bab, we knew was out Ryan batch. Uh, I think we knew was coming off injury. So the offensive line was interesting because Ben Christman and we knew Josh Fryer was out. So then Ben Christman, Trey LaRue, and Zimnichowski all got added to that group. So that's why it was just so thin on the offensive line, which Ryan Day had been hinting about. Um, as far as other like scholarship guys, uh, Marcus Crowley, we knew was going to be out. Jansen Dunn at, at safety has been out all spring. Tyler Friday, who I just mentioned. Neatote did not play. We know that he had been sort of working at that Sam position that Reed Carrico has been working at and, and maybe getting some other linebacker time. Uh, uh, Kate Kaczynski, another like backup linebacker and special teams guy and Lathan Ransom, who we already knew was out and Mitch Rossi. So it wasn't other than those offensive line guys. It wasn't like anything super surprising. It, Fleming ended up being the, maybe the most surprising person who didn't play at all. So should I ask this? If this is not something we should be talking about, we'll cut it out. Or if we can't talk about it intelligently, did we see court Williams today? No. And he's not on the injury report. No, he was uh, when you say see him, he was there. He didn't play. OK, but he wasn't on the injury report. Was he in uniform? Yes. OK. OK, so that's just those are facts. He was there in uniform and he wasn't on the injury report. And he didn't play. So we'll just give you those facts for now. And if we have other facts at any other point to pass along, we'll pass them along. Um, quarterback. C.J. Stroud, 14 of 22 for 120 yards and a score. Kyle McCord, 14 of 20 for 129 yards and a score. Devin Brown, 11 of 24 for 141 yards and a score. Also a pick. Overall, the quarterbacks, 39 of 67, 390 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. It's Stroud, one, McCord, two, Brown, three. Did like? Did we feel like we learned anything? 
about the quarterbacks in the spring game, or was it they threw and they are who we thought they were? I learned about Kyle. I'm going to give Devin a little reprieve, one, because he just got here, and two, he's dealing with the third-string offensive line a lot of times, so like he's like running for his life. As you just pointed out, there are a lot of guys missing. The depth is not there, um, so he didn't have the time in the pocket a lot of these other guys go. Kyle McCord looked a lot more in control than he did in the Acker game, and I understand he can't get hit, but even in comparison to when I saw the student appreciation day, he looked like a guy who'd been in the system for a year and knew what he was doing, and it wasn't just about the – the 40 yard bombs to Garrett Wilson flashing moments that made you go, Ooh, anymore. It, he looked, he looked like an Ohio state quarterback and what Ryan day wants and not just, it wasn't so gunslinger ish anymore. That's progress. Anything else on the offensive side of the ball we want to talk about before we start talking defense. I uh, yeah, I think we're good. Anything else I would say about the offense would be more about a compliment to the defense. So let's just get to what's more okay. interesting here. All right. We'll do that after a quick break here on Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. Nathan, you had your eyes more on the defense on Saturday. You wrote about the defense after the game. Who did you? Was there an equivalent winner on the defense the way that we thought kind of Evan Pryor was the winner on offense? Well, I think there were two guys. And we've been talking about how much this defense needs more playmakers and specifically how they needed to – have a depth of confidence and a depth of talent in the secondary. And I thought you know, we've been hearing a lot about certain young guys and there were two that I thought lived up to the things we've been hearing. And that was Jordan Hancock at corner and Kai Stokes at safety, you know, Stokes being the first true freshman to lose his black stripe this spring and showed why I thought a little bit today had uh, one possession with uh, a couple of PBUs back to back, including one where he almost picked off Stroud. And then Hancock, uh, there was a series earlier in, in, the, in the second quarter, I think of this game that I thought was the best defensive possession of the day. And he had um, a, a pass breakup and then thought it was a, just a, a good fundamental rep by him to like sort of hold his ground in the flats and read the play right, which is easier, I guess, when you're playing your own team. There's a little sort of like toss out, a, a pass out to Mayan Williams in the flats, and he takes him down for a four-yard loss. And then that sets up a third and long where, um, and I'm actually forgetting now who it was that got to, it might have been Sawyer gets to C.J. Stroud for a sack. I mean, I thought, I thought those two guys – you know, and Jim Knowles even talked about it after the game. You know, I think they knew Hancock was coming, but because of what they, this concern that they have about safety depth and the way Ryan Day was talking about that earlier this week, I think Kai Stokes has helped that a lot in the way he's come on at the end of this spring. The, it's why he probably lost the black stripe as early as he did. And, you know, they've had guys go in the portal. It, that, that second string, tier of guys has, has been thinned out a little bit as this spring has gone along, but he clearly looks like he's ready to play big 10 football and he'll be ready to do that this fall. There's an element that Kai Stokes and to the point of the depth is somebody has got to take advantage of the fact that there's extra reps to go around. It seems like he took advantage of that. The fact that, you know, there's no Latham ransom, uh, Josh Proctor's on, he can only do the thud tackling stuff. Somebody has got to play. No Jansen Dunn. It's like, yep. yeah, no Jansen Dunn. It's like somebody's got to be out there for all those reps. Um, very similar to last year with the Denzel Burke situation where seven banks is out 
and no one's really know, knows why at the time. Cameron Brown still coming back from a torn Achilles. Somebody's got to play those reps. Yep. And it just so happened that the true freshman who just got here is taking the best advantage of that. Yeah, it feels like that, again, that there's a little bit of young depth of talent behind the starters, which is how you want to build this thing. It doesn't mean that Kai Stokes is on track to start in the fall and because they have some veteran guys that have talent ahead of him, but it's the kind of thing you like to see um, from young guys. Nathan, it felt like Tommy Eichenberg's out there a lot. Again, he and steel chambers starting linebackers, right? Is that sort of just confirming what we've thought about the linebacker situation? Yeah, and really the whole starting group, there wasn't anything there that really shocked me, especially when you think, especially, well, then when you hear Jim Knowles say after the game, like, I don't care who starts on the defensive line, they're all going to play. So, but yeah, those two guys starting at linebacker was not a surprise. Eichenberg had a pretty solid game. I mean, eight tackles today was the most anybody had and um, was getting in there and stopping the run. And uh, I don't know how much they, they challenged him in other ways. I want to go back and look at, at that again. But that group is definitely, like, growing in – um, just confidence. I think confidence is the right word. I mean, we came out of last spring and went into last season with still, I think just lacking a, a, when you looked at that team on paper, still with so much hesitation about what it was going to be. And this spring has been about sort of transforming that, changing that. And it had to happen at the same time as they're installing a whole new system. But Knowles, who I don't think has benefits at all by like raising outside expectations seems pretty happy with what he was able to get done this spring and the foundations they've laid. And I think finding linebackers that they can rely on is a big part of that. If it sounds like I didn't pay attention that much, I was kind of walking around and looking at babies and like writing about what a beautiful day it was. So I didn't watch the football as much. There were two linebackers that coming out into this game, we would have said, hey, we've never seen either of them play linebacker for Ohio State before. And one, Nathan, is freshman C.J. Hicks, and the other one is transfer Chip Trainum. Did we get to see much from them? Yeah, I, Hicks had some nice reps. He ended up with four and a half tackles and, and was in on a TFL. And, and Trainum had um, a couple tackles, too. It looked like there was uh, one play... I'm trying to, Stephen. You know which one I'm talking about because we were talking about it at the time. Was that a, was that a pass mm-hmm. to Pryor? Pryor. Where yep. yeah, there was it was one of the backfield passes to Pryor where where Trainum looked like he was not where he was supposed to be. So I think there is still. I mean, but it's his first spring back at this position. So I think that's they they trust him enough that it seems like he might. He's the second string guy. He was the guy uh, with the twos, him and Mitchell. But I think there's still some adjustment going on there. All right, defensive line. I will say that I saw JT Tuimaloau after the game signing autographs and he was signing a lot of autographs after he talked to the media, very gracious. And then he had like sweatbands, Nike sweatbands around his ankles. And I don't know if kids asked for them, but he just took them off and gave them both to kids who were there getting autographs. Then he signed the sweatband off his ankle, which I thought, was kind of cool. And then I don't know exactly um, who it was. I was kind of hanging around because I really, really want to talk to his parents because I really want to write about like how he came in July and made such an impact. And I don't want to draw like a direct comparison with Quinn Ewers to like 
you know, talk negatively about Quinn Ewers, but they had two five stars show up late last year and one sort of never got it going. And the other one just like slipped right in and is off to the races and looked really good today. And I've been trying to like talk to his parents and I sort of was hanging around hoping to see them. It didn't really work out, but there was, I assume it is, I don't know. It's a younger member of JT's family who looked like an elementary school age kid that had a 44 Jersey on and everybody coming out. I think they were getting smoothies. And so this kid was standing right next to JT holding his JT's smoothie while JT was signing. And the kid was this, this cute little kid just standing there like big smile and then JT was like, I got to go. And like, he obviously you can never sign for everybody. So JT goes to get on the bus because they're having a picnic at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center for families after the game. So they pull up these campus buses right outside the gates. They do this at regular games too. They pull out right outside the gates and the players just hop on them. And then they take them back to, to the Woody Hayes. And as they're walking away, JT's getting on the bus. And then the little kid is carrying the smoothie and looks back over their shoulder and says, Better luck next time to everybody who didn't get it on. <laughs> and it was hilarious. And it was just so funny and cute. And here is JT like on the verge. This guy is on the verge. And he just could not have been nicer and hanging out. And by the way, there was a guy there who's not on the verge, who's has verged. Chris Olave signed 4,000 autographs today. After the game, he was down along the stands in Ohio Stadium, signing, signing, taking selfies, signing, signing, take a selfie. Hey, this, yeah, let me hand you that. I'll do this. Smiling, just like did not need to do it, totally did it. And then came up the ramp, and then there's the next set of fans standing outside there, and he's signing and signing and signing and signing. And this guy is going to be a, a millionaire in two weeks. And he is there and just signing until his hand cramps. And so – you know, it's not how it always is. There were other Buckeyes, certainly, that were signing autographs today. But I thought it was a thing that Chris Olave, who was on the verge of an NFL career, decided to do that. And I, there were a lot of excited fans who got a Chris Olave and JT Tumaloa experience today. But let's talk about JT. Yeah. Steven, like we're, we're like fired up. Like JT looks like a good player, right? I mean, he's on all Big Ten, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year award watch for me i don't see any reason to believe a dude who did what he did last year now that he's had a full off season can't go sophomore year chase young at this point he showed i mean he flashed enough stuff today the last time i saw them do competitive stuff there was a drill where he literally ripped paris johnson's helmet off on his way to go get a sack and I joked with Paris about it. He was like, listen, you win some, you lose some. And did you quit? But did you stick around for the next snap when I got him? And I was like, yeah, I did. But we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about when you got your helmet ripped off. Um, yeah, I'm all I'm all in on, you know, JT's ready to be like the superstar of this team um, as a de- defensive end. But also, he is so much bigger than his parents. Mm. I'm very shocked about where because like Mateo Uyunglele is here with his dad, uh, Big Dave. Mateo is the little brother of DJ Uyunglele, five-star defensive end in the 2023 recruiting class. He's been here the last two days. I was walking with those two back up the stairs when I was make, making my way down from the field back up to the press box. Those are two large human beings. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess they just the Uyunglele's are just a big family. 
not the case with the Tui Malowals. It's JT's yeah. a pretty like they're normal sized human beings and they just got that kid. Yeah. Not there sure how it worked of, out, but okay. There was a lot of talk after the game, a lot of questions about Jack Sawyer. And I know he had a sack, he had some other pressures, but Tumalo out really stood out to me today. There, right at the beginning of the second quarter, there was a play where he comes across, and it wasn't like Pryor ran at him. He comes across the line and stuffs Pryor for no gain, except uh, Tyreek Williams gets a face mask on the play, so they so it doesn't go for a zero, it goes for 15 the other way. But then I think the very next snap, he just uh, blasts through and gets to Devin Brown for one of those touch sacks. And so you're seeing both sides of it. I mean, that's what – go back to last year's spring game and Jack Sawyer, the show that he put on before JT Tumalau was even here. Like, Jack Sawyer is still doing some of those same things, but we're still seeing a more complete game right now at a JT Tumalau. He's just a more complete football player and arguably like the most complete football player right now on this front seven. Um, no, no slight to Zach Harrison. I think, you know – is starting to somewhat get overlooked a little bit because we talk about these young guys so much. But no, the, the Tumalo thing is real and it's coming. And again, and every time you talk to the guy, there just seems to be you, the story you're telling, I think, is is part of him. Just I think he recognizes the moment. I think he he just uh, there's a sense of self there and, and what he can do and be that seems present. I think the difference between what those two did this year and what Jack did last year is last year, Jack was doing it against the threes and the walk-ons and the twos at times they did what not, they not did. Completely. Against the, yeah, but for the, yeah. He had a couple, but it was like, it was a stark difference between what he was able to get away with against the backups versus when he was going up against at the time there in MPF, they did what they did today against the ones because uh, JJB and Zach are veterans. So they didn't play as much as those two were going to play. Um, which is probably part of why they got overlooked today. But I mean, Jack and JT, like they got there, they worked. Uh, if they're if we're picking winners between Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson versus JT and Jack today, JT and Jack won today. If I were better at my job, I would ask this. I'm not sure why I didn't, but I think I've thought it before and I've said there. it before. No, but it was before the game because Cam uh, Hayward, Cam Hayward was there today yeah, on the sideline. So I talked to Cam for a little bit. Love Cam. He's a great guy. And I, the person, if there's anybody that I've covered at Ohio State that comes to mind when I think of JT, it's Cam Hayward. That it's that end who's a physical run-stopping end who can also get after the quarterback. And I, Cam, I think, is still probably a little bit bigger. But like Cam was ready right away, just like JT was. And then Cam built on that. And now Cam has a Hall of Fame case in the NFL. And I should have said to Cam, like, hey. But instead, I just said, like, good to see you. How's your family? So um, I wish I would ask about that. But I just that, that JT seems like he's on a path. And then Jack played really well. Right. And then, Nathan, we've been talking about this, that Jack hybrid position. It's the stand up defensive end that sometimes dro- drops in coverage. We were sort of talking about during the game that. You know, there was like a snap where I think where Jack Sawyer was standing up and the next play JT was standing up. And then it was like, well, who's doing what? But we definitely saw Jack Sawyer drop in this game. I don't know that we did. We see any other defensive ends ever drop into coverage, which to me, that's the difference. You just have not typically in the past decade, every now and then, right? A zone blitz, you drop an end 
but there's we're going to see that jack hybrid stand up and just do more things and move around more and be positioned differently, right. but also drop in coverage more. I know Jack Sawyer did it at least once. Did we see any other ends ever drop into coverage? I don't remember that much. And it's being the Jack is not being a stand up end. What they wanted, what Knowles wants to do with that position. And he was talking about it earlier this week at the coaches convention. He's talked to us about it before he's talked to, you know, he did a lot of it at Oklahoma state. And before that, obviously it's, it's not always going to be an end spot. It's going to be, you know, lining that guy up between the tackles and, and moving him around. And you saw none of that today. It was a very static usage. Even if the guy was standing up and not down in a three point stance, it was still just always on the end. To me, that's not that big of a change, even when the guy occasion, very, very, very occasionally is dropping back into coverage. So I asked him about it, it was at the end of his press conference portion today because he had been very deliberate about they didn't put it in for the first several practices. He wanted to make sure that we weren't calling it a Leo yet because that's like a graduation beyond just the check or however he's terminating, d- deciding to, to talk about these positions. and kind of trying to gauge the progress. And he said that they got more of it installed than he thought. He was pretty pleased with what they were able to do with it in a short amount of time. But it also told me that not only were they going to stay pretty vanilla, they weren't going to show a lot today, but that there is still a a development that has to happen. Because if you're going to start moving that guy around, it's not just finding the athlete where you think you can swing him around and start making him come from different directions and be in different places. Everybody else in the defense, everybody else in that front seven, especially, um, or front six in this case, has to be locked into that too and has to be someone that you can trust to play off of that. With that being said, they are, to put Nathan's point, moving that guy around because our Texas is also the Texas on um, Friday when we were at the coaches' convention. I saw a clip. And it was Corey Dennis trying to show off read uh, passing progressions, but that's not what caught my eye. What caught my eye is they had Jack Sawyer standing up over the three tech spot. Yeah. That's the Jack. So, I mean, it's one of those things that player is an end. It doesn't mean he will always line up on the end, but so like when you say, Oh, it's an end, it's like, well, he's the Jack, his skills, would say that he's a defensive end, but now he's playing this position, which makes him not an end sometimes. It's almost like the shift in baseball. Whenever we make a baseball reference, then I go back to Nathan. But it's like, all right, well, if you're the shortstop, but you have a left-handed pull hitter up and the shortstop is on the first base side of second base, he's not really playing shortstop at that moment, but he's still the shortstop. So Jack Sawyer, when he's the Jack, might not be lined up on the end, but he's still a defense. You know what I mean? Like he is an end, He's not playing on the end or, or even maybe even more simplistically, like a strong safety who's either in the box or he's back. Like you can move them up and down and back and forth. And it's still the same position. He's still a safety, but you can use him in multiple places. But this is just this is even less conventional than that. And yes. I'm I'm really excited about getting to see that this fall. And I assume we won't get to see it until September, whatever, against Notre Dame. But it, it'll be fun. I think once they if they get that fully installed, which I assume oh, they will that's their goal. Yeah. To get that ready for opening day, I think that will be a fun wrinkle. The first time we see Jack Sawyer not just coming off the end. If they don't play, 
if they don't move a stand-up end around and drop him in coverage much, if they don't really utilize the jack position, it won't be because they didn't get it installed. It'll be because they decided it's not the best way to win with this defense, with mm-hmm. this personnel. And I do think, yeah, I do think it is interesting that position again, and we've had this conversation to me is designed to help you get pressure and help you throw off an offense with scheme if you don't have great personnel. So what does it mean when you do have great personnel? Does it amplify it or does it actually somehow take away from things? And I don't know that we have an answer to that. I think there is some universe where Jim Knowles and Larry Johnson and Ryan Day come to some kind of conclusion that we're so talented here with the ends that we have that we actually don't want to do that that much. Because Jack Sawyer standing over the three tech is cool, but it's also a little weird. And are we sure that just telling Jack Sawyer to beat the tackle isn't the most effective way to throw off the quarterback on this play? I, I don't, Jim Knowles is a thousand times smarter about this, but Jim Knowles has never had this kind of talent. And I think he is still adjusting to that. And so I don't think we know for sure what it's going to mean. Because again, when I asked him about it, like, would you do this with Chase Young? He was sort of like, well, no, I don't think you would do it with Chase Young. Because if you have Chase Young, you just let Chase Young be Chase Young. Now, Chase Young, probably 18 snaps his junior year, did stand up. And every now and then you'd see him between the tackles. But it wasn't 20 times a game. It was 20 times a season, right? So, Stephen, like I know, I think we're on the same page here, but I am always intrigued by a schematic savant, which I think Jim Knowles is, coming to a place where he's never had talent like this before. And how do you merge the two? There's a balance there because I think you can, when you come here, it's very easy to say that. Like, we've got enough talent that you don't have to do all this extra stuff. But then, four games into the season, we're all saying the defense is too stagnant and too predictable because they tried too hard. They just said, we're just going to out talent everybody. So I think it's a, I think it's a conversation. You probably don't need the Jack against Toledo because Jack and JT are just going to tear up the Rockets tackles because that's what they do. So it's a, who are we playing? What's their scheme? Um, Because even the Chase Young thing, they did it against Wisconsin. It's not like they did it against Penn. They did it against a team where it was probably necessary to do that because if not, Wisconsin was probably going to find a way to try to neutralize Chase a little bit if you just run away from him. You know what I'm saying? So put Chase in the action is basically what they were trying to do. So a Wisconsin game seems like a time you want to have a jack out there because you do want your best two defensive linemen in the action, not one of them feeling like their action is always running away from them. So I'll say we see it Notre Dame because it's week one. I say we see it against Wisconsin and then in a potential playoff situation, we see it. And then other that, other than that, it's probably on a week by week basis when they're game planning. It's like, okay, how much do we actually need to use this this week? Cause I do think there's two things that play there, right? I do think they could have used this last year when their ends did not get a ton of pressure Yes. By themselves, because they did not have a fully developed Joey Bosa or Chase Young. Right. So mm-hmm. if you aren't elite, if you aren't all American talented at defensive end, then the Jack helps those guys get to the quarterback or as which is what now what you're saying, Stephen, is when you are all American talented at defensive end and teams have figured that out and are double teaming your best end and just keeping telling the guard and the tackle to block that guy, or they're lining up a tight end over him every single time, 
or the back is on his side and chipping him every single time. And now you're trying to free that guy up and keep him guessing. It's like, oh, okay, Chase normally lines up on this side. We'll put the tight end over there. Oh, wait, he's over the tackle? Like mm-hmm. he's over the defensive tackle now? Now what are we going to do? That's the other use of it, to, to, to free up the double-teamed All-American or to create pressure when you don't have an All-American. But when you just have an All-American against Minnesota, why you got to be fancy then? We're not well, being fancy with that. Just let them loose. Knowles has talked to us about this before, and he talked about it again this week at the, the coaches' convention. That position, and really his whole defensive, his whole defensive concept – but even that position, when you're bringing a pass rush there, it's not – it's getting in the quarterback's head, yes, but he wants to get in the head of that offensive coordinator. So I think that's where it's going to be a fun little chess match to watch throughout the year, especially in those games where you have great respect for the both talent – the talent both on the field and in the box for the other team. Like what are they – You know, how can you get in there and make them overthink or make them flinch uh, it's going to be fun to watch them try to use that. And it's a position where if you hear Jim Knowles talk about that spot too, he doesn't talk about, well, you've got to go get a phenomenal athlete. At the coaches convention this week, he was like, hey, you guys probably have one of these guys in your halls right now. He's probably, he's a, he's a wrestler. He might be a basketball player. So he doesn't, he's not talking about having a pass rush savant that plays that position. It's something more uh, nuanced than that that he's looking for so i think you might be right that if you've got conventional ohio state level defensive ends that standing one up and moving around just for the sake of doing it doesn't make sense but i think he i I don't think it will be for the sake of doing it. i think he will find times to use it because i do think you know what else gets in the head of offensive coordinators knowing that if you don't design a play where the ball gets out the quarterback's hands in a second and a half chase young is going to rip the quarterback's elbows off That gets in their head, too. Yes. And so I think that's the other thing that we haven't really talked about yet, though, is we all this fun stuff that they're doing up front and the progression that we're seeing from Tuamaloao and Sawyer and whoever else is nice. But it's I think it's got to come hand in hand with the continued development of these cornerbacks. That's the 2019 blueprint is not just go get yourself a Chase Young. It's go get yourself a Chase Young or something close to it and pair him with first round or, you know, real NFL defensive back talent on the edges. And if that starts to show through, it's that, that's what, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like that, that circular symbiotic. um, Exactly. Symbiosis is what makes this a potentially much better defense. I think that was a really good segue into talking about what we're going to talk about now with these defensive backs. So um, what do we want to talk about with the defensive backs? I also think, I think the def, I think the defensive backs had a better day than the wide receivers, and uh, I think I think it really helped that thing. Jackson Smith and Jigba didn't play that much. But yes, I think that might be true. Yeah, but even then, it's like, oh, Jackson Smith the Jigba burns you. Okay, Jackson Smith the Jigba burns everybody. That's not, but for everybody else, I think it was. The, we all think highly of this wide receiver room and what it might be this year. I think. And I said this before the spring game in one of our videos. I think it was always going to be better suited for Ohio State if the cornerbacks look better today from a perception standpoint. Because if they can hold – if because then as a fan, you're probably thinking if they were able to do this against this wide receiver room, which might be the best in the country, what does that mean going into next season? And should we be more optimistic? And I think Jordan Hancock, I think Denzel Burke, 
I think J.K. Johnson to a lesser extent. Obviously, Cam Brown was limited because he's still dealing with stuff. Kai Stokes, I th- but the corners, since we're going to focus there, I think those three did enough here to leave you with some opt- to, to leave fans feeling like they can feel good about where this cornerback room is going to look like in the fall. Another thing I thought was huge today was Josh Proctor being able to play as much as he did and looking as good as he yeah. did at times. You could tell that Jim Knowles, I thought, it was really revealing the way he was kind of talking about Proctor and, and how much he likes him, but he likes him more and more because he's getting to see him more and more. And he said at one point that he was, you know, they're trying to push him to get back out on the field, you know, within, I assume the confines of whatever he's allowed to do physically. And he said he was getting on the, not really getting on, but telling Eliano and Walton, like, Hey, you've got to spend extra time with him to get him ready because we need him. We've got to, you know, he's, he's important here. And especially as thin as they thought they have been talent wise or top end talent wise at safety. And he came in and had a couple tackles early on in the, the thud period. Um, he broke up a pass. Like he just, he started to look a little bit like old Josh Proctor. And now, I mean, the Josh Proctor of old, not an old version of Josh Proctor. And now you pair him, you, you put him with Hickman. You got McAllister as like a, a veteran guy that they seem to be pretty happy with at, at that nickel spot. It's the, the back end of this defense starts to become as strong as it's been in certainly the last three years. Just a real quick note. Um, the video that Ohio State showed in Ohio Stadium on Saturday for Dwayne Haskins, they now have put up on Twitter at Ohio State Football. If you guys are on Twitter, this is like a two and a half minute video of Dwayne Haskins. We're going to talk a little bit more about Dwayne later, but we were kind of wondering if, if that would go up and it has. So you can see the video that they showed at halftime for Dwayne Haskins. Um, I guess maybe last thing with defense, what, what Nathan Knowles talked right after the game. What was the overall uh, Knowles vibe? I know you had mentioned previously that he, they got more installed even than he had hoped. So that's a plus. What was the general, Hey Jim, it's your first spring. How'd it go? I mean, that, that I think was the, the overall theme here that he felt like, you know, anytime he's been asked, he thought that you know, he came into a place where it was probably because of the way things went last year. And it's a group of guys who felt a little bit of ownership for falling short last year and wanting to be better than that, wanting to be the reason Ohio State wins this year. He found a group that was receptive to what he wanted to teach, and they've absorbed the, the football that he's been throwing at them. I think it was also, though, it today wasn't the end of a journey for this defense. Today was like ending the first stage, and now what happens over these next four months as you build into the end of August and into the season. Um, but, you know, he had questions that had to be answered. You know, Kai Stokes starts to answer a question. And, you know, seeing some of the things they, they saw from this linebacker group, Tommy Eichenberg s- starts to answer questions. Like, they, they it was a, a blank slate for him coming in. And now he's the one that's still, like, I think, getting to know what exactly he has and the best way to use it going into this fall. I was coming up the steps as you guys were leaving the news conference. And so as I was coming up, so when you go over, they, they do it in one of the towers in the corners uh, of the shoe. There's like a visiting news conference and a, and a home news conference. Obviously it wasn't a visiting news. That'd be funny. 
like they make the gray go over and do it in the visiting news conference area. So that's where like they have a big recruiting room on the second floor. All the recruits go in there and hang out. Then on the third floor is the press conference room where you guys have seen it. That's where Ryan Day is at the microphone and CJ Stroud comes up. So you guys were up there. I was hanging out outside on the ground floor, you know, watching JT sign autographs, trying to see if there was anything to see. I didn't really run into anything great, but you never know. So I came up the steps right at the end after all the players were on the bus. And as I was coming up, Knowles was coming down the steps. And I was like, oh, Jim Knowles, his first game in Ohio Stadium. And he said, I've never even been in here before. Did he say that in the news conference? He was like, I couldn't believe they didn't even bring me over here. He's like, I've never set foot on this field. I was sort of like, dude, you're allowed to come over. Like, it's open half the time. So, like, he literally had yeah. never been in the shoe before. I think, before he knows, I think he knows who has the keys. Plus, yeah, they didn't take him to Ohio Stadium. They took him straight to the bank. What did they need to show him Ohio Stadium for? Well, they they drove by the bank and, and, and let him put the check in, and then they locked him in a room and said, scheme up a defense. Yeah. That would also explain why he entered the room the way he did. Because Jerry's, like, at the mic saying – um, well, we're trying to get Jim Knowles up here. And he goes, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And he's like walking through the crowd. You know, the door they usually come through. Yeah. He didn't come through that door. He came to the other door and we're, he's just walking through here. It's like, okay. but It's like the price is right. Come on down. <laughs> You're the next defensive coordinator at Ohio State University. Here's $2 million. Yeah, for real. It's like, and then he did the yodel thing. It was like, Jim Knowles, you could win $2 million on the yodel thing. Ooh, lady, ooh, lady, ooh. Um, okay, so that was uh, defense. Ooh, lady. Let's come back. We'll talk about sort of the things around the spring game, which is what I paid attention to. Next on Buckeye Talk. So they did a good job honoring Dwayne Haskins on Saturday. They had a big DH imprint. On the field, they had a moment of silence for Dwayne before the game. And then the best part was the two and a half minute video that they showed at halftime and all the players and coaches, I was trying to count, it was about 50 coaches and staffers, right? They don't have 50 coaches, but like when you count all the grad assistants and everybody else was on the sideline, about 50 of them, about hundred players stopped on the field and watched on the video board, this two and a half minute tribute to Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne giving high fives, Dwayne throwing touchdown passes, little Dwayne taking the tour of the Woody in 2008, saying he wants to go to college there, saying if he comes there, he's going to be the quarterback. That video that most of you guys have seen by now. I thought it was a really nice video, but then all the players, Ryan Day leads them. They take a knee. Cam Babb, who again, it, it is a, remains extraordinary, the place that Cam Babb has in this program for a guy who has not been able to play because of injuries. Cam Babb is like, I think if Ryan Day was like, you know what? I'm going to go on a month-long vacation. Cam, you're in charge. And everybody would be like, that's cool. We'll, can't, we'll listen to Cam. Like he, it, I, It's some of the most extraordinary leadership. I thought it was a like very unusual thing when they made the backup quarterback a captain one year with Kenny Guyton. I thought that was extraordinary leadership. This is absolutely wild. And then you talk to Cam Babb for five minutes. You're like, oh, yeah, no, that guy. I'd follow him anywhere. So Cam Babb stands up in front of the group, leads a prayer. And the idea, while the Buckeyes, they're down on a knee, it's not like anyone can hear what is happening. But it felt like 60,000 people were in that moment with them. And Ryan Day had said this week before the game, we want to do this together. We want to celebrate our players and the work we put in this spring together, but we want to honor Dwayne together. And when he said that together doesn't mean a hundred players and 50 coaches and staffers. It means a hundred players, 50 coaches and staffers and 60,007 Ohio state fans. 
And I thought I was there at the, when they had the, um, the little memorial moment for Dwayne during the week. And there were several hundred, probably 500 people there outside Ohio stadium. That was very lovely. And Chris Field spoke at that and Cardale Jones spoke at that, but this was 60,000. And I thought it showed what a spring game can be, what a moment like this can be that Ryan Day said, like people needed to be together. And everybody for a week had grieved Dwayne's death on their own. The players and the coaches did it together, but Ohio state fans felt this as well. And if you came out today, Nathan, I think you felt that moment a little bit. And I thought it was beautiful. Like I thought that was, that's an encapsulated in an unusual and tragic way. That's not normally what the spring game is about, but it's a gathering because it's not a game. It's not in the standings. It's not for the record books. It's just sort of to be, it it just is. And I thought it was a great example of that. And I, I think, and I hope, and I imagine that people got something out of that, of being together to have that moment to honor Dwayne Haskins. And I think the players and coaches got us something out of, while they were on their knees in the middle of a field, there were 60,000 people in silence around them. And I think there was a connection there. Yeah, I agree. I, I tried to have like the most, usual game day experience I could like I parked in Tuttle and basically the same spot I usually do and walked over through all the smells and the sounds of a game and it's not quite the same but there's still people tailgating there's still people you know doing the the normal milling about stopped by the the memorial that they had put up in the rotunda and I thought that it's only been a week man can it's only been a week since that happened and it feels like so much longer than that in some ways so it's too early to talk about things like closure or whatever, which probably will never really be there in some ways for the people who knew him the most. But it definitely felt like people got to to pay this public respect to somebody that meant so much to them. You know, CJ Stroud talking about wearing the Dwayne Haskins jersey out onto the field to start the game and and throwing a touchdown pass and feeling like that was Dwayne Haskins concluding his Ohio state career with a touchdown. Like he kind of went out and carried that for him. Just, you know, you you definitely could just feel what that person meant to this program. And then I think by extension of that, what that program meant to all those people who were there and all the people who are listening to this and um, all all those people who'd be there this fall. Powerful moment. I think it was cool that everybody that Dwayne Haskins is responsible for was also in Ohio Stadium that day. You know, Justin Fields randomly walked down the the the, the tunnel and as I'm walking, and then you know, him and Doug are not talking ball, but they're you know, they get a fist pump in. Um, obviously, some other former players were here as well who played with them. Some of the players who are still on the team who played with them. Um, cool moment, but I suspect that this won't be the last Dwayne Haskins thing they do this year. Um, just because, you know, yeah, 60,007, which they made it a point to make it that seven. Um, well, you get 105,000 in here for the Notre Dame game. I would assume that at some point during the regular season, they do something as well. I was trying to think if there's something permanent that Ohio State could do. Because they could leave the DH out there for the entire year. I don't think there's a rule against that. Well, so, the, 
Well, first of all, that turf is coming up, so it wouldn't be that turf. That turf is coming. Mm-hmm. They're replacing the turf this summer. But I asked about that, like, hey, do you think they'll put a DH back this fall? And the spokesperson I talked to didn't seem like he thought that was likely. But you could have it. You could have a DH somewhere else in that bowl and where it's visible. Or just so keep I, the decal. I would imagine they'll keep the decal all year. I think yeah. so. Yeah. I, I was trying to wonder. So I just, you know, I am. As you guys have figured out by now, both the two of you and the people listening, I am overly romantic about the spring game. I love it's like hope springs eternal with I mean, it's like it is I people I know there are people think I'm nuts. It's like it's a freaking scrimmage, Doug. Get your stuff together. But I just I love like they got nice and warm in the second half. It just it was a beautiful day. I hope you went. And if you didn't go, I hope you go next year. But I just like to take stuff in. And by the way, and also it's the 100 year anniversary of Ohio Stadium and they started selling Ohio Stadium T-shirts and Ohio State's going to start doing stuff. And like that is that is really resonating with me in a big way that it's like, oh, what happened today? It's like. This gigantic fan base of people who really care about this football program, 60,000 of them came together on a spring afternoon to watch a scrimmage and to honor a beloved player who lost his life in a hundred year old building. Like that resonates with me. It's a hundred years old. And I know they've redone it. They put a shell around it. We get it. It's a hundred years old. How often are you in stuff that's a hundred years old? I don't know. I mean, like, like there's so, so I was walking out and I, I like to do this after a lot of games, but I, I almost always do it after the spring game because I'm feeling particularly romantic about football. And I walked past Buckeye Grove. And I just thought like, you've got to be an All-American to be in Buckeye Grove. But could you could you could you find a spot for Dwayne in there? And maybe it's not a nameplate and a tree, but could you do something? Could you do it next to Buckeye Drove? Could you do listen, they're not you're not gonna build an entire statue to Dwayne Haskins. I get that. But I just wondered, is there something where you can say this was a record-setting quarterback? When he died, he held the records. For the most touchdown passes, the most single season passing yards in Big Ten history. That was the reality he lived when he left us. And it was only one season and it wasn't a national championship. And he didn't win the Heisman and he wasn't a first team All-American. Because if you're the, if you're the quarterback and you don't win the Heisman, you're not going to be a first team All-American. So he's not technically in Buckeye Grove. But could people 10, 20, 30, 50, 70 years from now walk past something that tells them about Dwayne Haskins. And I don't know. I think it would be a potentially appropriate. I think his season was great enough. And this loss is great enough to commemorate. But I don't know exactly. And to anyone who says, no, that would not be it. I mean, that's not a shot. And that's not disrespectful to Dwayne to say, no, that wouldn't be it. But like, what do you guys think? What is the... What's the, what could maybe be done here? Is it, or is it, you know, it's a tragic thing, but well, we can honor him in our hearts and minds and it it doesn't mean we should do that. I think you just named the quarterback room after him and call it a day. Um, That could be good. That could be good. Now, now the thing is that's not public. That's private. That's not. So I, which, which it doesn't have to be public. It doesn't have to be. That's that's a really good idea. Yeah, I don't think I think there's enough public stuff that's happening between now and maybe the season. I don't think everything that happens when you're trying to honor somebody 
who's de- who's died, who meant a lot, needs to be public. I just think I think that's a nice touch, especially given that like yeah, like that quarterback room is totally different after him. Dwayne has his quarterback room. I'm trying to remember where Gate Seven is around Ooh. Ohio Stadium. That could mm-hmm. work. That would be an option. I've, I'm trying to bring it a up. A plaque, here. a plaque at Gate Seven. That's yeah. not bad. Something like that. I mean, that. I, I like it's, you can it, both. It's, it's, I, I like the quarterback room thing. I like the Gate Seven thing. Yeah, it's it's right. Um, it's right by the rotunda, actually. So that maybe that's something they. Wayne Haskins Gate. I like that. That's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I think I, you know, we're we're happy to pass these ideas along to Ohio State too. I mean, I think I think maybe. Maybe there's something that you could find that doesn't, you know, go over the top, that doesn't interfere with the great traditions of Ohio State. So um, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that. I also want to say very quickly um, to Bobby and Benjamin and Niraj, those were the three people who said hello to me today, the three listeners. I told people, say hello to us if you see us out. And those were the three that said hello. So Thanks for saying hello. Um, but I also do. So I went out and did a couple laps before the game around the stadium. And I was looking into the stands the whole time because I was kind of looking for a story. Did I see somebody? Did I see somebody wearing a Haskins tribute? Did I see a family? Did I see someone who was clearly at his their first spring game? And it was super interesting. But the result is that I did two laps at the stadium looking into the stands the whole time. And it, I think it looked like I was walking around just looking into the stands in case anybody wanted to say hello to me. And what, and that's when Niraj said hello. So thank you for saving me. That wasn't the intent. I actually was attempting to report and do my job, but I did also, I think, look like a desperate, lonely man wanting attention, which also is true. More than one thing can be true at the same time. So um, I just wanted to, to note that that was not why I was actually doing that. I did see a family outside the state of my way in that were wearing shirts that said in memory of someone. And I stopped and asked them about it. And they said, the woman I talked to said that was my husband and he passed away in 2017. And our family comes to the spring game every year. And like, that's a thing that we do in his memory. Cause he loved the Buckeyes so much. And I was like, that is awesome. But I did not want to, do a 10 minute interview with them and bother them on their day. But there were six or eight people wearing t-shirts in his memory. So I thought that was great. And I thought, I almost thought could like you do a thing. I don't, I don't want to go too far, but could you do something that like, okay, it's spring. It's football blooming again. Everybody, everybody knows it's like just this spring time of the year. It's like a rebirth, especially on Easter weekend for some, for some people. Um, could that become part of the spring game? Almost that like, if you've lost somebody who loved Ohio state during the year, come to the spring game in their honor, share, share your mourn them. Let's all share our grief. Let's that's that's. And then you could do a moment of silence before every spring game. We're recognizing the loyal Ohio state fans that we have lost in the past year. If you've lost someone who loved Ohio state, um, Ladies, we're all going to think about them right now. We'll have a moment of silence for them. It's a $7 ticket. It's not a big ask. And you can come out and maybe you can feel that together. Everybody, thousands and thousands of people who have lost Ohio State fans. 
and and that to me I would almost be like we well what how did that start well what started it with Dwayne because sixty thousand people mourned Dwayne Haskins together a week after his tragic death and now again it's like Doug could what are you doing it's a spring scrimmage you don't have to make it like a religious experience relax Doug or great idea let's adopt it or somewhere in between. Gene, if you're listening, Gene Smith, Doug's office hours are Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. You can reach him at redacted phone number. There's nothing more I enjoy than sharing my ideas with people who don't want ideas shared with them. So which right now is this podcast on my guy talk. So it's like, but I don't I don't wait for office hours. I take my office hours out to the people. The office hours never stop. I think what you're hitting on, though, is that's already happening. Like somebody already took that initiative and it already is that special moment for their family. I think the spring game, because there are no stakes, because there is not, uh, it's just a looser atmosphere. The, it, it, it can be a lot of different things to a lot of different people in yeah. an easier way than if you're asking someone to pay more to come to a real game or go through all the hassle of a much bigger crowd and the parking and all that stuff. It's just a more relaxed environment that I think people can. I mean, you've you've been banging the drum for people to come for whatever reason. And I think it today was a good reminder that if if for even if it is just to watch the game. Or if you've got a group of buddies and this is your reunion, you're all Ohio State fans, like it's and you went to school together. Like it's easier to come back for this than to try to find a time where everybody can fly in and pay a lot of money for a ticket and etc. And so um, that's you're just hitting on the, the the best part about the spring game, which is that it is uh, so many things, so many different things to people. So sixty thousand and seven, the announced attendance. On Saturday, and this again is remind last year nineteen thousand because it was COVID restrictions and it wasn't a full thing, and the year before that canceled. So this was the first like full throated spring game in two years. 2019, 61,000. 2018, 47,000. 2017, eighty thousand. Twenty sixteen broke the record. Hundred thousand people at spring game, and Urban Meyer was banging the drum. I won a hundred thousand, and they got it because the year before they had ninety nine thousand. And they set the record then. And that had broken Ohio State's own record in 2009 when they had 95,000. So this was a good day. It was not the best spring game that I have been a part of. It was an emotional, appropriate, well-attended spring game. I would like to see Ohio State try to get 100 again. I would. I liked, of all the things Urban Meyer did, I mean, it's down the list of importance, but I liked the way Urban leaned into the spring game. Part of the reason they had... 99,000 in 2015 were part of the reasons they're defending national champs. But they had this stuff. They had Cardell Jones and JT Barrett and Troy Smith have a throwing contest. They had Braxton Miller and Kerry Combs and Ezekiel Elliott and Brutus and the fastest student running a foot race against each other. It was the most picnic-like, hey, three-legged race kind of stuff. Steven, Nathan, both of you, does anybody is there anything that you would like to see that they could add to the spring game to make it even more of an occasion for everybody and encourage people to come out. Well, I think the important thing that you just said there is they were the defending national champions, which was Urban Meyer's third national championship. This is a practice. This is one of the 15 practices they get. That has real currency. And I think maybe once Ryan Day climbs that hill all the way to the top, then he would feel more relaxed 
to like maybe institute some of those things. But right now, I, it's still very first and foremost is a practice to them. And I, I just feel like that's where his attention is. I don't think that's right or wrong. I don't think he's trying to be a uh, turn the punch bowl about it. I think it's just they've got to get stuff done at this 15th practice. And it, the way he talks about everything, he was talking about it again today. He was giving us the old, hey, you can have a losing streak in the NFL and still win a Super Bowl. You can't lose at Ohio State. And that's still very much prominent in his mindset. So I would be curious if farther down the line in his coaching career, if he is more receptive or just more progressive in his own mind about, hey, here's some things we can do with this. Uh, Because ultimately, a lot of it will come down, as you're saying, like Urban Meyer made it a priority. It wasn't something that was was pushed onto him necessarily. I think if Ryan Day wanted to do those things, he will. I just don't think it's where his mind is right now. Yes. They were coming off a national championship and all those players were coming back. So there was intrigue. Plus they were the best team in the country. I think they get a, I think they can flirt with that next year if they win a national championship next this season. And the reason why is they won a national championship and CJ's child's gone, which means we're in a quarterback battle again. So yeah, best team in the country. And there's reason to come because you want to see who's going to win the next, who's be the next Ohio State starting quarterback. I will just say, I imagine that until I'm sweeping up trash at Disney World, I will remain in the journalism world. That this would, and I imagine that I will remain at Cleveland.com. I'm going to go straight from Cleveland.com to Disney World. I do think Ohio State, if you want me, if you want to come get some Doug, if you want some of this, the one job I maybe would leave Cleveland.com for would be spring game picnic coordinator, where all year I would have 364 days to plan the carnival atmosphere for the spring game that I would do. I, I mean, I, I need at least six figures. I probably need a car. You have a dealership thing, whatever. I need a stipend probably. Right. So, I mean, like it's going to cost, but I don't, Nathan, it might be worth it. Would it be worth the outlay? We'd have a, we'd have a, definitely, we'd have a pie eating contest. We'd have a dunk tank. Oh, can you be in the dunk tank? <laughs> oh, the dunk tank for sure. I think the budget to pay your salary would be higher than the budget to actually put together a spring day. No, I know. I know. But it's not about money. It's about memories. It's not about money, says the man who just demanded a six figure salary. Six figures. Just like a college football coach. Oh, we'll get so many NIL deals for the players. (laughs) You know what? I also what they could do now. They went they left right away to go with their families to go have the picnic. There was a time, and I don't know if it was the spring game or not. It wasn't the spring game. And the trestle era, they had an open practice, I think, in the fall at night. And they, they did, because had... I went one year. Did you go I, try to get did. an autograph? They had tables on the field, and yeah. they had people line up for autographs. And yeah, it's like fall. It was, yeah, it was like halfway through fall camp when they would do it. Yeah. I, I could that. envision. I mean, I don't know. Would it make sense to do a thing now where people could come do something but like you, you would have to pay, but you could get players autographs and there's like an NIL thing, but it's combined. I don't, I don't know something that probably not now. These are the kind of things that a spring game picnic coordinator would have 364 days to work on. I'm hosting too many podcasts. I can't give my full self to it. So we'll think about it, but, but it was a good day. I thought it was a good day. As you were saying, Nathan, like you had been there for, no, you had never been to a full spring game before because you Nothing came in like the fall this, of no. 2019. So right. you never got the effect. Did right. I oversell it or did you think, ah, that's good? Because I'm assuming the Purdue spring game is not like this. No, 
not nearly in attendance or uh, I also feel like I had uh, a bad run of going to Ohio State or Purdue spring games where it was the weather that was happening this morning happened throughout the game. The thing that helped today was the weather turned out beautiful too. It was a, it was literally a beautiful spring day. I think as you came up and said to me, as we were recording our videos, a lovely spring day. And that, that definitely helped. And I, you know, you're, you're really um, hit or miss as far as what the weather is going to be like in any given on any given April Saturday, but it turned out pretty well today. I thought, and it, it was a pleasant day. I look forward to, it would be fun to see it at what you're talking about. Like that urban Meyer experience, hundred thousand people, carnival atmosphere i think that would be fun because i think you can have both what i was just saying yeah. about ryan day and it being a the, the importance of getting that getting something out of that 15th practice from a football standpoint doesn't mean you still can't have all that extra fun i think those two things can exist it's just a matter of making that more of a priority and there's probably a time and a place for that i will wait to ask ryan day about it notre dame week ryan i know you're getting ready but I've got three words for you. Spring, game, carnival. I would, I would actually wait until like the, um, the, the Zoom call the day of the playoff announcement. Oh, yeah. Or I could wait until the post game after the next time Ohio State loses. Ryan, to, uh, just to lighten the atmosphere a bit, can I give you three words? And it'll be the last three words I ever say to Ryan Day. All right. Thanks to you guys for being part of it. If you went to the spring game, awesome. If you didn't go to the spring game and you're thinking, oh, man, that sounds kind of fun, put it on your calendar to go next year. It's that middle Saturday in April. It's like in the teens. They, don't, it's, they do it the same time every year. Put it on your calendar now. If you think that a scrimmage in a stadium for $7 is not worth your time, then that's cool, too. It was a lovely day. I hope you went outside and did something else. Good bike ride day. We will be back next week. I think we'll we'll wrap up some spring stuff. We'll start springing ahead with some draft coverage because the draft is right around the corner. Uh, and we, I mean, we got, we got plenty. We got plenty. I got plenty of stuff coming. So keep listening to Buckeye talk. Keep getting the texts at 614-350-3315 and keep reading cleveland.com slash OSU for Nathan Baird and Stephen Means. I'm Doug Maurice, And that was Buckeye talk. Buckeye talk.